0: Welcome to the Bible Nation Society podcast. I'm Doug Lavec. With me today is Pastor Jason Georges of Emanuel Baptist Church. We're here to talk about how the Bible affects culture. The Bible is the best culture, it's proven, and it works. What are we standing up for? The ability, the freedom to do what's right as God defines that right.
1: God's the ultimate author of liberty.
0: We don't want government to stand between us and our freedom to do what is right. All right, we're back. Is America getting too old? Uh, Apparently, as of this year, America is going to tip over the top and become older than it is younger, right? Everyone's going to be qualified for Social Security all at once. That's going to bust the system, I think, entirely. So some people are asking whether it's healthcare or politics, uh, different aspects of society, is America getting too old? What do we do about it? It's a problem, right? It's like the zombies are coming to town, and we have to come up with a way to, you know, exasperate and and solve the problem, when really uh, it could be a blessing to have so much wisdom around. So how do we look at that? How does the Bible look at that? How are we going to solve this situation? A lot of people have been asking, uh, as we talk about these different topics, uh, what is our take on current events of the day? And so uh, this week, I, I had a couple of things catch my eye. So before we get to that, let's talk about a couple of things. Um, the first thing was that uh, over at the World Economic Forum, called Davos, um, which is basically you know the devil and his minions trying to rule the world, right? I'm going to blow up the world. Uh, we have this guy Yuval Noah Harari. He's a philosopher. He's an atheist. He's a vegan. He's a homosexual. Uh, he's every, everything that's wrong with society. And um, unfortunately, he's also from Israel. Uh, but he's affecting that atheistic culture that comes out of there. And he's always, um, you know, the big the big thought, the big philosophy behind the World Economic Forum. So, that, so the World Economic Forum doesn't approach economics and world governance as though there's a God and we answer to him and we serve him. It actually answers from this philosophy that man is his own God and has to take his own a destiny in his hand and um, uh, Harari's got a lot of uh, popular books in um, His new book is called Nexus a brief history of information networks from the Stone Age to AI He's dealing with artificial intelligence and how man can use that to control his destiny He's previously written the Sapiens, which is about man and homo Deus, which means man-god, right? and um, It says, we're living through the most profound information revelation in human history, but we can't understand it unless we understand what has come before. And so it sounds good, right? It sounds like a happy philosophy. Nexus, the book, doesn't argue that understanding the past enables us to predict the future. My goal is to show that by making informed choices, we can still prevent the worst outcomes because if we can't change the future, then why waste time discussing it? Kind of a moot, circular reasoning sort of thing, but basically saying that that AI is going to be our salvation. Mm. Let's all look to AI, let's invest in it, and then let it solve our problems. Let's all agree that what AI says is what we're going to do. Climate change, grow old, older population, you know, and so let's let it decide the medical you know, decisions. Everybody turns 70, you get one more year, and then, you know, say goodbye sort of thing. And um, this is this is the philosophy that's behind all this stuff, and so yet we have a new book out. I don't have the book. i am I think I'm going to get it. Yeah, and I'm, gonna, and I'm gonna read it, and I, we might actually have a podcast just about this, the nexus. No, oh,
1: that's interesting. It's in the news. I yeah, mean, it's just a little a little tidbit of something that's out there. Yeah. giving your giving letting people know some things that are on our radar map. What else you got? That's on the strange.
0: News? Yeah. Okay. So the religious nuns, N O N E S. Okay. Oh. Are now. I, the, I, I
1: thought you meant like Catholic nuns and the whole bonnet yeah. and the whole thing. No. Yeah, they're not the largest single group.
0: Yeah. No, those those are shrinking. Religious nuns. religious people. Right. Are now the largest single group. In the U.S., that's amazing. Yeah, now that doesn't mean they're over half or anything, but you know Catholics are like 24 percent and Baptists are 17 percent, right. and uh, but the nuns are there. But there was another article that said uh, this one was from NPR. There was another article that said that uh, people thinks that it's hit it hit its peak. Mm. In other words, it's you know it's, things are kind of evening out. There's enough nuns there now. The nuns are going to start getting converted, right? Sort of speak. So, but we are at this nexus where their philosophy is what guys like Harari are saying. So, you know, people that don't believe in God have a different culture, and we're going to have different results in that. Well,
1: I will say, you know, the pulpit has been saying for probably for the last 10 years that we are in a post-Christian America. Yeah. And we we would acknowledge that, right? Absolutely. And and I think our policy that we're seeing coming out of Washington reflects that. But I would say anecdotally, Mm -hmm. as pastoring here, you know, in 2024 now, that I am seeing more people that are coming to church for the first time with no background, and they want a more, quote-unquote, traditional or conservative church experience. Right. Now, they don't know why, and they don't know why that would be right or good. They just know they want church to be church. Right. And they have a semblance and idea of what it ought to be. And, and really what's common is it ought to be different than their other experiences in their life. So, what they do at the ballpark, what they do at the stadium, what they do at the bar, yeah. that church should not be like that. Right. And so, I do think the pendulum is spinning. That's a good article you found. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what's the next one you got?
0: Okay, we got uh, Politico says populism keeps rattling the globe. Elites have no idea what to do. Mm. Again, at Davos, the number one problem is no longer climate change, it is Trump and misinformation. And so this is a play on controlling information. Mm. And anyone who does disinformation or misinformation, which that's arbitrary, like who's deciding that, they want to be the decider of that, uh, can be subject to legal ramifications. And so they want to control information. And they're saying that this, this populist ideal and free media is has conspiracy theories or alternate information that they deem not true, and therefore that's our biggest threat. And Davos is saying... This is our philosophy, this is where we're going, we're heading to the nexus, and anything that anybody else says is a problem. Mm. And so we need to control information. So this year is about controlling misinformation. And so, um, you know, the Argentina uh, president got, got elected and he's, you know, he, he showed up at Davos and basically gave an incredible speech. Saying you guys are wrong, you guys are all dead wrong. You've been proven wrong over and over, and and so I thought that was incredibly brave of him. Which you know
1: kind of wrapped us up. It is the idea of the genius of our American founding yeah. when our founding fathers enshrined the free the right of the freedom of the press, right. which was the freedom of information. Right, and they were beyond their times, right. and they didn't see AI, they didn't see uh, these different uh, information control systems that would right. come. But yet the principle still remains true. So those are three yeah. great articles yeah. that just kind of a little bit, keep your eye on, yeah. got some AI stuff going on, um, keeping an eye on the culture of uh, religious trends yeah. and then also the control of information. Yeah. I'm excited about our topic this morning. Yeah. Uh, is America getting too old? Yeah. I mean, that's that's really the question. And I think the politicians are saying it. Uh, and the poli- it's going to start dictating our policies and it's going to bring America to this collision of some real ethical crisis. Right. And as you look at these articles that you have set up for us uh, talking on this topic, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's an underlying theme here of where we're heading, uh, and it mirrors the abortion debate. I'll just right. kind of put that. Sure. It's the other side of this. We argue about the beginning of life, but now we're going to be talking about the end of life.
0: And, you know, most of the topics we, we talk about, they're, they're not necessarily obscure. I mean, they're they're in the news, mm-hmm. every news thing, every nation, and uh, but they affect the culture. And so the Bible addresses them. And the Bible does address folks getting older. And it does address how to treat them and what their crisis and issues might be. And so uh, this was in the news this week in every outlet and every nation is talking about this, but particularly the United States, because the CBS article that uh, that we're looking at, boomers are a large part of the population, uh, basically is saying that whether it's retirement Medicare or the 401k problem, you know, it's like everything's a Ponzi scheme and it doesn't work at this point. We've Mm kind of crossed the uh, Rubicon on making the financial aspects of this thing uh work and so so that's how the younger generation is looking at it this is a problem you mm-hmm. know this is going to affect my retirement or so to speak and so they're looking 40 years in the future and they're seeing us as an obstacle and i say us because i am 54 years old and you know i'm right in the over the hill game so
1: yeah ageism is a discrimination that we'll all experience right. you know everyone will have to go through that mm-hmm. That article you're referencing there uh, made, made makes note that this year will be the we have the largest American population hitting the age of 65 ever in our history, right. which means the pull or the load upon our Medicaid a uh, Medicare system mm-hmm. is going to be greater than ever. Right, and so we're all paying into that. Right, and the load that it has to hold now is is growing. And then talking about Social Security, yeah. if you plan on being alive by 2030. Um, Social Security, as it is currently constructed, will be depleted by them.
0: So when I was a young minister coming mm-hmm. up, uh, I was 21 years old, got ordained in gospel ministry. Legally, um, someone that's being paid by, paid by a 501c3, you know, a church organization, and you're a pastor, you have an option to pay into the Social Security program or not. Mm-hmm. It's only pastors and congressmen, I think, that get that option of what they're going to do. Out, yeah. So I, I weighed that, and I met with financial observers way back in the day, and they said, at... 2030, or even, you know, even they said by the time you're of retirement age, um, social security is not going to work. It's not going to pay. And even back then it was paying 4% dividends, which you, know, you could get bank CDs that were 11%. You could get money markets that were 15% or whatever. So they basically said diversify and social security is not going to be your salvation. So I said, okay, I'm not going to pay into the program. I'm going to take that money and I'm going to do something with that. Okay. And uh, so now we're kind of coming of age and it's this, this uh, brick wall is actually approaching faster than, than what they said. And so therefore, it's not just that people are getting old is the problem, it's that younger people are saying our future is being jeopardized by these, these old folks or whatever. So yeah, it, but it's, it's partly our philosophy, it's partly our politics, it's partly our economics, you know, that we've decided to do on this and getting people kind of dependent upon that. Um, it, it is an issue, um, AARP, right? The Retired Persons Association I have an article about how older uh, adults are changing America. An aging population is shaking up our country, why it's happening, and what it means. And it says they're affecting economy, culture, society, and politics, penetrating deep into the very marrow of the nation. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer, you know, most of the guys that signed the Constitution, our founding fathers, these guys were 35 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, the old ones were over 40. And, of course, the population was, you know, younger. But now we have this situation where we got two guys running for president pushing 80. You know what I mean? And that's never really happened before uh, for us. We, the people at Midlife and beyond represent the third largest economy in the world after China and the U S as a whole. Wow. So you think about that boomers have the money right after the whole China, which is a communist nation so that people don't own the money, the central government owns the money. And then the U S as a whole, which is our full economy. The biggest thing on the planet is boomers in America. So they are the pocketbook. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. You know, this th- these people are people who have worked, they've earned, they've relied and trusted in the system. Maybe they've falsely relied on a lying system, but nevertheless, you know, they're there and they have something to say. They, they have issue. Um, another one of the statistics the AARP says is that um, uh, the number of workers 65 and older has mushroomed by 117%. In other words, they're not retiring because... Social Security isn't covering it. Mm-hmm. It's not paying for it. In a span of 20 years, so over 20 years, that's increased 117% according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Remarkably, employment of individuals 75 and older has increased by the same percentage, which means people are hitting 65 and they're still working. Right. They're hitting 75 and they're still working because it makes sense.
1: Well, And, and that's twofold. Number yeah. one, one would argue that it's the necessity, right? They have to work because social security is not there. But we're living longer and we're living longer and more productive lives. 65 today does not look like 65 before. Sure. I mean, back in the day, 65, you were kind of nursing home, uh, senior citizen, and yet now our 65 year olds are living like 45 year olds.
0: Over in France, which had the same problem, but they're actually accelerated. uh, Macron, their president, just uh, basically, shut the whole country down because he was trying to move the age of retirement back. Mm. And I mean, they riot in the streets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've had the same issue in Japan. And, um, here's an article from the Washington post that talks about the Japan can teach the world a better way to age. They've had a measure of success in handling this kind of flip flop upside down situation with retired personnel. But, um, course they're relying on cat cafes and care caregiving robots Mm. so they're taking technological fictional ideas you know having the robotic cat as your pet you're taking care of it, sort of thing and your your kids are on the other end of the cat talking to you Mm. you know sort of thing so they're using technology to where the family is in contact so their culture even though it's not christian Mm -hmm. it's Mm pseudo-spiritual but it's not christian and yet they're infused with respecting your elders in japan not every culture is like that but japan is and so the kids do take responsibility for the parents and that's the only way that they're succeeding because they're ahead of even europe right in that situation so you know i think the united states has biblical culture to look at but also just has a culture that respects its elders where the, the family takes care of the parents so there's a couple of things to look at to kind of maybe solve what are the perceived problems
1: yeah well, and, and i think in japan and particularly those asian countries mm-hmm. that have some form of ancestry worship they, they bring that in to their culture of, of taking care of their aged ones yeah um, but uh, th- there is the same mutual respect and we're going to get this mm-hmm. um when we get into our, some of our scriptures in yeah. a little while that the bible teaches us that we ought to respect our elders right now not because of of, of um ancestry worship right uh, but because of their place that
0: they not even because of authority have, not right. even because just because of their elder status right so the bible is, is does put that out there and so japan in a way honors that biblical principle it's not they don't have a biblical culture but that particular slice right. is there and the problem that every nation is going to face now and that we're facing they actually are handling well because that little principle is something that they're Taking hold of in their culture. Well,
1: and you and you think about how the how the westerners live and how easterners live. And of course, a young person or a middle aged person in an eastern cult, uh, country, they're they're not buying a house for themselves and a house for their parents. Right. They're all living together. in a domicile together. Right. And so that concept of needing two thousand square feet, needing four thousand square feet. Right. Which is quite frankly very an American concept. Sure, I mean our houses are bigger than anyone else's yep. homes in America, and what we require for living. And our lo- our property yep.
0: lots and all that. Right,
1: we that. you know we, we just have ranches, you right. know, in comparison. Yeah. Uh, and nothing we, wrong with that. No, but, yeah, but that that might the the idea of mom and dad live over there and I live over here may need to break down. Sure. Because the feasibility of maintaining um, eight thousand square feet for two households is inefficient and. Not, not the best way and relationally it might not even be the best way. Another
0: aspect that, you know, kids are having to adapt is, you know, mom and dad's worked one job for 25, 30 years and had this retirement from that income or whatever. And young people today are having to work five jobs. They're having right. to work five gigs to have the same amount of stuff. And so a lot of them are just saying, we're not going to do that. We're going minimalist, yeah. you know, they're kind of, you know, changing the way we do things. And a lot of them are deciding not to get married or not to have kids. Mm. So this is, this is the selfish side of that problem, because if you could increase the, the junior population, Right through marriage and childbearing and stuff, then you would have an economy that could bear uh, the older people, and, and the the, the uh, it wouldn't be an upside down pyramid mm-hmm. where you have young people and old you know trying to hold all the old people together. But this would sustain that. But when you have abortion, yeah. when you have that selfish aspect, wrong aspects of marriage, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you're kind of agitating the bad parts of that situation.
1: Well, yeah, and you and you think about it's a double edged sword this topic, right? Because we have an aging population right. that has a superior health system to their predecessors. Right. So they are living longer. Mm-hmm. And now we have a shrinking uh, youth, a shrinking birth rate. Right. So not as many people are making it into the adult productive years to sustain the system. So yeah, it, the system is going to crumble. But I think inherently when we talk about this topic, apparently uh, 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 particularly in American culture, mm-hmm. the reason we struggle with this topic it's because of selfishness. Right. So this topic is never approached with selflessness. Right. It's always approached with how do we take care of them to the minimum level required and yet still maintain our own style Life of living, our own freedom, right. our own ability to travel, do all these different things. Right. And, and it's this is truly a product of our own selfishness.
0: Yeah. And so on the older folks aspect of things, you know, spending half of their income on, on health care, trying right. to stay alive, or or beauty, you know, getting hair plugs for mm-hmm. us balding guys or something. You know, that's kind of a selfishness that, you know, they're, they're you're focused on. Well, I'm going to keep working. That's not a job for a young person. Or, you know, I'm going to try to keep maintaining my lifestyle or right. whatever and, and not handing that off, not handing the business off, not handing the finances off or something like that. And then for the young people, it's selfish because, well, I wish, I wish mom and dad would just move on so that mm-hmm. we could have some of that goodness or whatever. So, it kind of both sides so yep. that's why i thought we would discuss it because there's a panic yeah you know last uh, week we looked at you know war in 2024 and, and I, we didn't really think about the fact that there would be a, a war of the ages a war between old and young mm-hmm. too you know and that that's part of you know people get f- afraid they get selfish and then they start to kind of move against each other and then sometimes the media you know, works that up a little bit. So I thought, you know, hey, let's let's talk yeah. about this topic. It's it's real. Those are some of the issues. Well, and it's an election year topic. Yes, because
1: every year, what the polit, what the both parties will try to do is drive people to the polls. Because who votes? Old people. Yeah. And they will drive them to the polls with fear. Yeah. though you know fear of their Social Security, mm-hmm. fear of Medicaid yep. or Medicare, yep. uh, fear of these benefits. Yep. And you know, when you get old, one of the older, one of the frailties. Of a senior citizen is fear, sure, because your capacity and your ability and your strength and your ability to overcome mm-hmm. has really reduced. Mm-hmm. And so you and I, in in our pastoral work, um, often have to deal with a senior citizen who is mm-hmm. really dealing with fear. And you that can be never had you to have can before. become
0: curmudgeon. Yeah, you can become curmudgeon, and you know that's that's not what the Bible wants either, right? You know what I mean? To have the joy of the Lord, that is an eternal youthful yeah. outlook on, you know, death's not gonna stop me, right. and the pains of youth or the pains of age aren't gonna hurt me. I mean, you know, I'm going to serve the Lord and serve um, my brothers and sisters in Christ and, and my fellow and, and God and my fellow man. You know, and right. so that that we need to maintain. There, that. there is a Christian
1: maturity to embracing the season that God has you in. Right. And life is seasonal. Yeah. And we and and really uh, it's immaturity to try to hold on to a season that is no longer, that's not the season of your life right. anymore. And so we've all seen the, the the old 20-year-old or 30-year-old who's still trying to live like the college frat boy. Right. And then we've right. seen the, the 60-year-old who's trying to live like a 40-year-old. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. embrace the season that you're in. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of this conversation as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I have a scripture here from Leviticus 1932. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man And Fear thy God I am the Lord Mm -hmm. and so this is in the unique book of Leviticus that most people don't read or totally understand Mm -hmm. Um, All the priests were Levites, but not all the Levites were priests Okay, but all the Levites did serve in a priestly caste Where they had jobs to do and if you read very carefully, there were things that started from 20 and went to 40 45 there were things that started at 25 and went to 45 50 and so everybody had this 20-year service that had a start point and an end point. Now, even when it was done, you were still of the Levitical caste. Mm-hmm. You still had identity, purpose and everything else. And um, you still had the 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 courses of the priests through the through the year, through the annum and you would go and serve even even as the old guy, but the burden was on the this 20-25 year, you know, service orientation. Right. So, man there's a little bit of a lesson there in that, you know, uh, guy running a business or guy running a church, you know, take your 20-25 years, right. run strong or whatever. But you're not a success without a successor. Right. And God kind of built that into ministry. You should be bringing up young people and then giving them op- op- opportunities. And when they get fruit and success, they they bring themselves up the notch. And you know who can be trusted to take the take the wheel. You know, at a certain point in time. And I think that's with government, yeah. business family, all those different kinds of things, you know, older folks have to, at some point, raise people up where you can trust the younger generation to make good decisions, you right. know, even, even for you or healthcare or whatever. Well, and, and I think
1: that passage you're using there yeah. um, brings us into some of these applications that we were talking about yeah. here, and one of the applications we noted in our notes here was the church focus, yeah. um, and whereas seniors are often, and in modern churches, seen as a burden Mm-hmm. They're actually seen as the ones that are holding back change and right. growth and progress. Right. And concerted efforts are made to basically run them out of church. Right, uh, And and that's the complete wrong perspective right. on that the church ought to have towards our seniors. Well, and even the idea... They're, of, they're not a burden. They ought to be seen as Let's a have the
0: old person venue and the young person venue. Right. And that's separating them. That's causing that problem. Because right. then when you got to finance something or you have to vote on something, you know, these people want a... a um, skateboard park at the church you know and these people want a travel bus right. <laughs> you know you got two different things hundred thousand dollars you know what are we going to vote for and you know and one's valued one's not and so we can't have selfishness and we can't have division so the church focus i think needs to inc- number one we're going to include old folks we're right. not we're not leaving them out right uh, but but number two we're going to integrate church right. focus has to be integration right there has to be the majority of times that we're functioning together yeah right. Old folks can have Bible study at McDonald's, you know, whatever. Young folks can, you know, go to the, um, to the uh, water park or, you know, whatever we're going to do. But the, the, uh, there needs to be 90% integration in church worship, ministry, evangelism, finance, whole nine yards. The culture the level, of the church needs to conclude
1: that. To the level that you don't have distinctiveness. You don't, you don't have, like, uh, right. segregation right. in the sense of two separate churches that are trying to occupy the same building. And but even more than that, familiarity. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so is and that there,
0: becomes work for the pastor and the staff. Yes. yes. Is
1: there a place for children's ministries? Yes. yes. Is there a place for seniors' ministry? Right. Yes. Because they it gives you an opportunity to address things that are very particular mm-hmm. to that season of life. But, but there also should be a concerted effort for familiarity with one yeah. another yes. so that, that all of those ages appreciate each other yes. and are comfortable with each other and can co-mingle very easily.
0: Yes, and that's, that's the answer because if the churches are doing that, that's going to bleed out. That's the salt and light mm-hmm. in the community, and, and other ideas will come out in, in other sectors you know, of society so that the, the church would say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to make sure everybody gets their focus. You know, listen, in evangelism, 80% of, of people that get saved are usually 11 to 18 or 11 to 19. So, yeah, you should put your evangelism efforts and monies and all that kind of stuff into your young people and getting the gospel Mm -hmm. out, et cetera, et cetera. But but that doesn't mean you don't go to the college campus. That doesn't mean that you're not having a family conference for Mm -hmm. young marrieds or something. And and, there's still 20% that get saved, Mm -hmm. and a percentage of those are going to be people with the hoary head. That they're old and they finally, you know, wake up to the fact that there is a God Mm -hmm. or whatever. So you never, you don't... uh, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater in right. any of those things the church has to focus on keeping things together and and integrated and at the same time meeting the different needs right that's a burden of a pastor but that's what a pastor's for yeah yeah absolutely
1: yeah and 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 there's a, the, the, to be intentional and strategic in yeah.
0: it so I, I put on here age interaction yeah in that um, you know the uh, the the we have we have a christian school which is young people the people that teach in the christian school the people that Pay for the Christian school and participate in the different activities are mostly parental age, but we have annually a grandparents day to bring camp grandparents in. Most grandparents didn't didn't get to see Christian education; they had public education. So, they're like, what are you guys doing? You know, and they don't know is the value worth it, or you know, is our our kids going to end up weird or something like that. So we bring them in and let them see what it is and what the investment is, and once they see it. They quit giving the young their, their kids a hard time about it, and they actually start pulling out the checkbook, right. writing some checks on things, and then they can come by and, and volunteer to watch recess. They can come by and volunteer to help grade papers or those kinds of things mm-hmm. as well. That's just in the Christian school, but in the church, that can take place as well. And so, like, uh, I know you, you have um, Sunday nights, which older folks come back on Sunday night mm-hmm. for church, but we'll have our Kids choirs, mm-hmm. you know, sing, and, and the older folks love that. And there's and there's interaction, and there should be more of that in churches, not just old folks night and young folks right, night, right. but you know, however much interaction we can have. It needs to be well, and,
1: and it also it governs the philosophy of how we do things. Yeah. And so, you know, we our philosophy of even how we worship, right. it's not we're traditionalists or that we want to be old. Right. In our philosophy is we we want our worship to be accessible to every group in our church. Yeah. So, from young and old can participate. Right. We want it to be accessible, and we want people to participate. Yep. It's not a performance, yep. and so so that governs how we worship in such a way. So an old, so grandfather can sit next to grandchild, and they can both participate yep. at the same level with yep. that. And there's not a such a variance of style that it. It, it neglects one of them,
0: and I think that's harder today. Let's I mean, oh, to be no, honest. It's, it's I think very, it I, is one of the battles of the day. It, there is the fabric of society is being pulled apart, and that's in the church as well. And so, but I think pastors don't give up on the work of that, and and you know plan it and trust God for a measure of success in that, and then when you see it, you know, elevate that and, well, and keep going. After and, it. and any
1: church strategy mm-hmm. that sees a particular group as a hindrance is a wrong church right, strategy.
0: Absolutely. It's a wrong church
1: word. So we got to get rid of all these old people, or we got, or even on the flip side, yeah. we got you know we, the, the old. You said the curmudgeon. Yeah. You can have the senior yeah. who has no flexibility right. to allow the auditorium to get beat up and uh, right. dirty for a youth activity. Right. You know, you, you, yeah. that's a little bit of a you got to create
0: a culture that says, "Hey, right. there's holes in the wall, there's stains in the carpet. We're doing it." Yeah, it's awesome. And, and the old folks can actually learn that and adopt that as well. Yeah. You know, music and worship. You know, old folks are like, we don't want rock and roll in here. Well, we don't want rock and roll, but we want live music. Right. It has to be alive. And, um We're not so, at the
1: funeral yet.
0: Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not it's not a funeral dirge. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not all high classical music, which right. is just as wicked and evil sometimes as, as rock and roll is. Right. But also the kids need to realize, you know, you, you're not going to come in here and sing rock and roll. And so th- it, there has to be a, a, a merging, not of rock and roll and classical. I'm not right. saying that. I'm just saying classic uh, rock. Classic rock. <laughs> you heard it here, Pastor Georges. But but it has to be a purpose interaction. I put on here in-home visitation. Yeah. I know most of my um, pastoral career, You know, even when I was just interning and stuff like that, was making sure folks got in-home visits, especially when they were at a point where they couldn't get in church. Mm-hmm. I've been ill, right? I couldn't get in church. You know, And so having a phone call or a letter, having that kind of system, having... having uh, somebody visit from the church you know what I mean I, I know when I was pastoring sometimes I couldn't visit everybody but if someone went I'd say hey tell them Pastor Doug sent me mm-hmm. you know let let them know that they're on the radar and they're, and they're that kind of thing and um, and so I think uh, I think they value that and it doesn't have to be an hour-long church service I mean it can be 10-15 minute prayer uh, bring them something mm-hmm. you know something like bring them bring them a bag of oranges when they're on sale you know mm-hmm. or just bring them church bulletins, bring them, you know, some good literature or something like that, and uh, and that's that's one way you can do the interaction, because you can have the youth group, you know, on any given, if they have Wednesday night youth ministry or whatever, get, get parents or other folks to, to, you know, take the kids and drive them to so-and-so's house and go in there and sing a song for them and read a scripture or whatever to shut-ins or something. That's a way to have interaction uh, when you do that, uh, to have in-home visitations. I know... You, I know our youth group sometimes will send our teen boys out to rake leaves or shovel snow, mm-hmm. you know, up here in Michigan. Like some people won't come to church because they don't have the wherewithal to get the snow yeah. out of the driveway or yep. even clear out of their car or something like that. And so if uh, church staff and, and uh, deacons and things like that are focused on that, it's part of the integration. It's part of the culture. you got you got to build into the culture right away. We get into church planting, and a lot of church planting philosophy says, hey, I'm going to gear my church towards 20-somethings, mm-hmm. right? And so... Everything about how I approach them, how I dress, how our how our worship is, um, you know what the auditorium space is going to look like. It, it's what our our event calendar is going to look like. It's all twenty somethings. You know everybody that tries that fails, and here's mm-hmm. why: because twenty somethings will come and put five dollars in the plate, but they won't tithe regularly, mm-hmm. and they're not because they got five sources of income. They might tithe on one of them, but they're not tithing on all of them, and so you know that doesn't work because it doesn't pay for itself.
1: Right, and, or we're going to attract young families. Right, but young families are a particular season of life that right. they don't have as much availability, uh, availability for service. Right, I mean they're, they're raising young kids yes. and they got yes. these things, and yet you're trying to elicit workers. You're yeah. trying to so you need every age group, you they, need every they, demographic.
0: And, you know they say there's the seven year cycles. Kids get in, in the church or youth group, in, and they got seven years in that, and then they and they go. Then you've got the college young adult. That's a seven year cycle, and then you've got young marrieds and young children. There's a seven year cycle, and people kind of re up in their church life. Mm-hmm not their spiritual life but their church life and so all that has to be integrated so that everybody feels like I can see where I'll be in church here what my role is I saw what the so-and-so family did when their kids left for college mm. and how they stayed engaged I saw how that family did when she became a widow and how she stayed engaged or whatever and um, I think that's the culture of the church you don't plant a 20-something church you plant a church that's cradle to the grave everybody and you work on integrating that from the beginning and I, as churches leave that because of the pressures of society, um, then churches lose their saltiness, you know, affect that. What about relationships with seniors' uh, families? And I talk about partnerships um, in in ministry, getting different senior families together to do stuff. Maybe not just uh, the fall color tour trip, you know, on the bus, but our seniors are going to go to the senior citizen home. Our seniors are going to go visit shut-ins. Our seniors are going to go and hand out tracks or newspapers or you know in other words everybody has to be partnered in the church and even partnered with each other mm-hmm. in, in different families and so you know you, uh, Emmanuel does fellowships mm-hmm. of you know different age fellowships but but uh you know there there has to be some integration there uh with with families and then lastly i put legacy giving and impact mm-hmm. and um you know some people particularly of the boomer age probably made more money had more investment opportunities maybe you're living a little bit higher than the next generation will live and have the wherewithal to not only leave their family something but to leave their church something Mm -hmm. and um you know there's a lot of people that that that, uh, they they pass and it's the it's the church it's the pastor that says hey can you guys go in there and you end up with their their house and all this kind of stuff and and nothing's been said and so you're trying to find family you know and so you're not trying to just get whatever they had if you're if you're an honest broker i mean how many times have you know we've been held with this older folk, person died and whatever they had whatever they were you know it's all kind of for us to take care of we're trying to find family so that they can make decisions we're trying to find family so that they can get in the house and get the furniture and all that kind of stuff and then sometimes it's a hassle because we're just trying to take care of the you know the person because they didn't do that so i think if we build into the culture that you can be a legacy, take care of yourself now, take care of your family now, and help help think that way, help get a person to be proactive for their family's sake, right, and then for their church, church's sake, and and be able to include that in the culture without it being a greedy gimme. And, and it really comes
1: down to seniors having a vision for that season of their life. That's it. You got to have a season. You got to have a vision for your life, and really, that vision starts before you're a senior. Yeah. So if we're deci- defining seniors as 60 to 80 right that last mm-hmm. then in your 50s, you're doing the things to prepare for that next season. Yes you're thinking about that. When I'm in my 60s, yes. I would like to do this. Yes. when, when uh, I, um, I'm absent from the body and present from the Lord, when I pass mm-hmm. away, I would like to be able to do this right But then ultimately, you know one of the greatest rewards for faithfulness of a senior is to, to worship together with their children and their grandchildren, grandchildren. Or their great-grandchildren. And, and they've yeah. all taken that same and that what a legacy mm-hmm. and you know I, I i'm not very sentimental right but one of the things as a pastor i do get sentimental about is seeing how god has rewarded the faithfulness of some seniors mm-hmm. and they're worshiping with their, their grandchildren their great-grandchildren because that faith has been passed along and it's not about holding them tight right and some of them are sending them off to the mission field and right. whatnot but that they are still walking with their same god
0: you know, to hand off to the next generation the right perspective, mm-hmm. to hand off to them everlasting life, to hand off to them the real political uh, idealism of Jesus as King, mm-hmm. uh, the real miraculous perspectives of death can't keep me down, mm-hmm. and, and have that pass on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would, I would hate for my kids just to come to church and say, well, we're making dad proud or something like that. I would hope they'd have their own relationship with the Lord. But culturally speaking, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't pass off personally, if it passes off culturally, and so people, they're, they're familiar with going to church. They're not, a, they're not uh, afraid to bow their head in prayer. That's good for society. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's why I say Bible Nation right. Society. Because when we pass that off, at some point it dissipates into nothingness. But where that light is overshadowing a dark culture even if someone's not saved, they're they're in the light. They're being reflected mm-hmm. there, and, that, and that's what you want to give to society. And this is one of those uh, topics that's splitting society. That's gonna that's mm-hmm. in crisis mode, and that the church can really affect. Let's let's read a couple of scriptures, Pastor Jason. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll read one. You read one. Proverbs sixteen thirty one: The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's not I'm I'm gray headed. Worship me, respect right. me. It's I'm I'm the hoary head, but I've got the crown of righteousness on me. You're, that's worthy of of respect.
1: Psalm seventy one and nine says, "Cast me not off in the time of old age, forsake me not when my strength faileth." Mm. So yep. That's a prayer. Yeah, yeah, it's a prayer. It's a prayer. Uh, and then he goes on, ninety two and fourteen. Mm-hmm. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing.
0: No, fat is true. There is yeah,
1: <laughs> fat, fat is true. Yeah. There is still yeah. opportunities. There yeah. is a it's a different type of profitability, but you are still purposeful in your senior years. I
0: think if you if you talk to most senior citizens and that are faithful in churches, you know they built the church, they paid for the church, they're they're committed to the church. Mm-hmm. You know even more than other people would know, right. and they don't want to be left out. They want to be included. They, I mean, most of them would say, "I still got something to add." Right. You know whatever whatever that is. I know we have um, one dear senior saint, 80 years old plus, and he shows up every Sunday morning and walks the property with a trash bag and picks up trash so that nothing's sitting around. He's one, of all, he's one yeah. of all those guys, but he's like, oh, man, I'm I'm still physically fit. I'm going to come and serve the Lord. You know, I, I don't sing, you know, in the choir. I'm not really a preacher. You know, I can't do all the work days like I used to, but I can still come yeah. on Sunday. And part of his worship yeah. is coming and do that. And to me, I, you know, I hope our young people see it. Yeah. I hope people see it and integrate and that someone would go out and work with him. Yeah, walk every Sunday. he walks a Inter- lot, picks up trash. Interact with him, yeah. Yep. And then Isaiah 46, 4. And even to your old age, I am he. And even to the whore's head will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and I will deliver you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the message is God's not just the God of the young. Mm-hmm. He's the God of the old. And people see him when they're young and make decisions, but people need him when they're old. You know because he he's the one that carries them, you know one of the things that comes with, with old ages is, is the old brain, the old mind, the old memory, starts to be affected, and that creates sometimes a fear or apprehension, mm-hmm. and it doesn't help when young people are trying to push you aside right. in the church or anywhere else and and so they need to rely upon God, God sees you, he knows you, he'll carry you. Don't be afraid and start trying to take every vitamin there is to take or go to a shrink or all these different kinds of things. Just read your Bible and trust God. Fill your Bible, fill your mind with the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the Bible's a good culture for an old man or an old woman yeah. because they'll just keep praying, they'll just keep trusting, they'll find out he's the best friend they ever had. right? Mm-hmm. He, more than your spouse, more than your kids. Mm-hmm. God is your best friend. And I'll tell you, Japan's doing a good job at respecting their elders, but Americans can do even a better job if old folks themselves would wear the crown of righteousness mm-hmm. and they would not act afraid and they would not act selfish, but they would just love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of their heart, all the days of their life, show no fear, pave the road, you know, put the signs up, paint the, paint the road with signs, and, and let people see how it's done. So this is not just a charge to young people,
1: mm-hmm. it's a
0: charge to old people too, to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, the best culture is a Bible culture. It's proven and it works.